Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Sunday, December the 12th, 2021. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we are asking an important question. If you're not where you want to be personally and professionally, why? And we'll go into great detail uh, and hopefully give you some tactical tips on how to get from where you don't want to be to where you want to be, or the way that I think about it, at least importantly, the journey and the process to getting there. A lot of times we focus on just the end game. And having a North Star is always critically important. Having a carrot to run after and big goals to to dream about and plan for and work towards are amazing, but I'm a process guy. Uh, a lot of times people focus on just the very end goal line. I'm concerned about how do I get a first down and another first down and another five yards in order to actually score the touchdown. And that's what this episode is going to be about in great detail. Uh, before I jump into a lot of that, uh, if you guys have not yet listened to the raw and uh, very uncut podcast I did with my man, the BJ Gador, I would highly suggest you guys give that a listen. It is three plus hours. Uh, I think total in that day, we were together about 12 hours. So uh, I got to hear a lot and uh, you guys got to hear a good a good chunk of it as well. And critically important, uh, I, I can't say this enough and I'm, I'm not just saying this because uh, we've been friends forever and I would never gas anybody up. You guys know me. Uh, I kick the real all the time. And, and my real friends know uh, I'm not going to bullshit them. But I say this with all sincerity. There would not be a Jeremy Scott Fitness if he was not around. Uh, at least the way that you all know it. And uh, I've had you know a certain amount of influences in my life uh, from the David Jacks of the world. Who, you know, he's the GOAT. Uh, but in terms of... You know, in certain coaches, obviously, you know, parents, friends, I try to be a sponge uh, for all things positive, and I try to wring out the negative shit. In terms of fitness itself, the way that I, I program, the way that I train, the way that I look at coaching, there is not a bigger influence uh, than BJ on the way that I approach things and do things. He's always been uh, ahead of the curve. He's always been ahead of his time, sometimes uh, even to a fault. You know, timing is uh, is everything. And uh, he's he's the best, you know, at, at what he does. And I sincerely mean that. Uh, I'll share a real fast story. I just remember being on set with him. And obviously we all, you know, we've all known each other for a long time. And sometimes we see each other in different settings. Uh, obviously, we all are kind of on our own island and working and doing things the way that we do them. And I remember being on the set of Men's Health where uh, it's not my program, it's actually his program, and I'm in it. And the cameras come on, and he starts talking. And within two minutes, the first thoughts through my brain was, oh, shit, he's really fucking good at this. Like, he's way better uh, at doing this than I am. And, you know, as they say, iron sharpens iron. And you get to see that, the way they present it, the, the coaching cues. It, um, it It's changed me. 
uh, most definitely. I think he's had an influence on a lot of you guys as well. If you do listen to the episode, what I'm saying is shoot him a message. Uh, just let him know that uh, you heard it. Uh, if you liked it, you enjoyed it, it was helpful. Uh, those things go a long way. You know, I think that the phrase is we, uh, we bring people flowers at their funeral, but we won't give them soup when they're sick. And that's really counter. Uh, it just makes no fucking sense, honestly, the, the way that we do things. And I remind my friends uh, when they're having a rough time or, or things are going on in their life, you just got to tell people, man. Uh, I, I say it to even Heather a lot. You know, when I, I have pretty good uh, self-awareness. I, I understand how I come across. I understand how I am. Uh, you know, certain people care for me, certain people don't, and that's fine. I'm not trying to be everybody's friend. I'm also not, you know, vanilla. It's a great flavor, but I am... What you see is what you get, right? And I know when I leave a room, people say certain things about me. Uh, And I get a lot of feedback from this podcast, which has become this amazing thing. And I thank all of you for that. Uh, From Instagram, uh, from emails, from all of our coaching clients. Obviously, we have an in-person facility, so people come in here and, and say really nice things. And I get to hear that probably a disproportionate amount to the average person. And where I'm driving this is a normal person doesn't get to hear, you know, how awesome they are. They don't get as many wins. They don't get as much uh, positive feedback. I I just happen to, uh, for whatever strange reason, but your mom might not, your dad might not, your brother and your sister might not, your friends might not, your favorite, you know, fitness personality might not. And uh, it goes a long way. Um, by just reaching out and telling somebody, hey, man, you know, this made a huge impact on me. Thank you so much for what you do, Uh, especially if you give a shit. And the way I describe it is when you go to a restaurant, maybe you have an amazing meal, a great experience. How many times have you left a Yelp review or a Google review of that place? I personally never have. And I've had a lot of amazing experiences. I might say thank you to the, the wait staff. Uh, and, and have a dialogue with them, but I don't get to talk to the chef. I don't get to talk to the owner, and it'd be nice if they could hear that because sometimes the positive feedback, that reinforcement is your oxygen to keep going, to keep putting out content, to keep helping people, to keep coaching people. Uh, so the takeaway is obviously if you guys enjoyed that episode, you know, shoot him a note because uh, like most of us, uh, People have been going through it, man, for the last uh, the last couple years, and uh, it hasn't been fun. And I always revert back and, and say, if I didn't have a good time, and I'm really never sad. Uh, I, I really am not. Uh, it's very, very rare that I don't uh, I don't feel good. It's very rare that I'm I'm in a bad headspace for more than like two minutes. And during that, you know, season of life. There are some days where I just felt shitty. And I know if I did, other people out there who are, who are chewing on some real stuff are struggling. Which brings me to the post I threw up on Instagram today. And I think it's true for everyone. And all I wrote was, with everything going on, just focus on today. Focus on what you can control today. Focus on taking care of yourself today. Tune out the noise. Let the negativity go you're a badass, you will get through this. Because it's been a crazy, uh, stressful, uh, anxiety-filled, a lot of uncertainty, 
the last two years for most people. And it impacts everybody. Some of us small, some of us big. But we all feel it at some level. And you have to slow down. You have to breathe. And you just have to control what you can control and let the other shit go. And just know you are a badass human and you're going to get through it. And one thing that does help people is just people reaching out. If you just send a text, you know, uh, share a funny story, uh, an email, a phone call, whatever it is. Sometimes those little things, the cascade effect they have goes far beyond what you can ever imagine. That could be the thing that pulls somebody out of the shit. And all you had to do was take 20 seconds away from watching Netflix and scrolling mindlessly on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, wherever, and actually just acknowledging the work someone did or checking in on them. It's, it's huge. And I do feel there's a wave of that, you know, coming uh, because our reaction to a lot of the things that have been going on the last couple of years have been very detrimental to people's health. And I'm not just talking about the physical body because that is a, a huge toll it's played. But the mental health aspect of it, it's crushed a lot of folks because we're not meant to be alone 24-7, 365. We're not meant to stare at fucking screens all day. I don't care. You can say, well, this new fitness protocol, I can do it in my house, in my living room. And if that works for you, that's awesome. All those things need to exist. I'm not ragging on the uh, the digital stuff of the world. It's obviously blessed my life, and I'm very thankful for it. I can talk to all of you guys. But we're humans. We're meant to connect. We're meant to touch. We're meant to be together in community. And when you don't have community and you can't, you know, be with your people and you can't be, you know, with your tribe, and if you can't grow that tribe and you can't create new relationships and have new touch points, you get weird, man, and it gets and it gets sad. So if you guys have not reached out to a friend recently, a family member, or anybody you just literally maybe consistently watch, consume information from on the internet, shoot them a note, dude. It goes a long way. Um, even if you don't think they see it, I can promise you most of them do. At the end of the day, we're all real people. And it doesn't matter how, how you know popular people get or how big their audience is or how, you know, I call it fake famous because we're all just a bunch of knuckleheads. Whether people watch you or listen to you or not, it's irrelevant. It goes a long way uh, letting them know. And, and I say that from a person when I, I, I've been saying the same stuff forever. It's just 10 years ago, nobody listened. Uh, and I had a, a much smaller audience, and now more people listen and take it in. It's the same thing for all of us in the fitness space. Uh, it helps. Uh, just, just hearing you know, that people give a shit and what you're doing matters. And I think if we all did that more often with everything, your coworkers, friends, family, uh, the world would be a little bit better place. And we all have the power to do it. We just can't be lazy asses. So make it happen. With that said, this podcast is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. Bet you guys thought I forgot. Uh, as the great Master P once said, pass me the green. I'm assuming he's talking about Athletic Greens, but it could be something else. Anyways, if you guys have never tried Athletic Greens, right now we can give you a year's supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. The site is athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. Or, if you've never tried the greens, number one, they're the best tasting greens on the planet. Number two, they have probiotics in there, digestive enzymes in there, and 75 whole food ingredients. Literally one 
scoop is the antioxidant equivalent to 10 to 12 servings of fruits and vegetables. None of you eat enough vegetables. I can promise you that. And you're not getting enough micronutrients in your day through your normal diet. Even if you're a person like me, who is a robot and is regimented, I can't eat a big enough variety. It's just not going to happen. So I take athletic greens every single day. It's the one thing I never miss. Uh, I used to, you know, drink shots of wild turkey and it tasted like trash and it wasn't good for me. This is much tastier and much healthier. So you guys can put it down too. If you're on the fence and you want to try it, hit me up. I'll have Monica send you a free travel pack, 100% for free on me. I'll front the money. You can drink it, realize it does taste awesome, and then get hooked up with all the free stuff. So reach out to us wherever you can. We will get it to you, no questions asked. Again, if you want to pick it up today, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott will give you a year's supply of free vitamin D, which you should be already taking, and five retrieval packs with your first order. We're also brought to you by our friends at Dry Farm Wines. It is dryfarmwines.com slash Jeremy Scott. When you guys pick up some wine there, you can get a bonus bottle for a penny. Now, I don't know much about wine, although I'm learning a ton. Heather loves it. She just had a girls' night last night, and everybody there said it was legit. And she's up moving around today, so she's not hungover, and she feels awesome, which is a bonus for her and, honestly, for me to not have to deal with a hangry, hungover wife. But we partner with uh, Dry Farms Wines for the fact of they don't bullshit. It's organic. It's a lower alcohol content, less than 12.5%. It is also sugar-free. And they do not put the toxic additives in there. And the reason I bring that up is because our friends uh, at the FDA allow up to 76 approve additives to wine. So you might be drinking wine that you bought at the grocery store and it might have up to 76 added bullshit things in there, which I'm not a fan of that. So that's why we partner with the, the Dry Farms Wine people. And if you're a wine person, it's a great holiday gift. Uh, you know, if you obviously drink in moderation, I think it's totally fine, especially if you love it. And most of you are going to drink anyway and not listen to anything I say. So if you're going to do it, you might as well do it the healthiest way possible. And again, the site, dryfarmwines.com slash Jeremy Scott, or you guys hit me up for the link, and I'm happy to send it over as well. And we're also brought to you by my friends at Beam CBD. The website is beamtlc.com. The code is Jeremy Scott for 20% off all products, 35% off all subscriptions. My nightly CBD sleep aid is the dream product that I take. There's no THC in there. It won't get you high, but it will help you get to sleep and stay asleep. So if you're a person you find yourself stressing, going through some shit, um, hopefully this can help you actually just fall asleep, turn your brain off for a little bit, which Lord knows I need, and then wake up feeling restored. You don't feel hungover. It's not habit forming. It's just a natural product. And I find it works really great. We also do have a couple hundred samples of the dream as well. If you want to check it out, otherwise hit me up for the link, or you can go to the site beamtlc.com, put in the code Jeremy Scott and get hooked up with all the free stuff. Our other sponsors, Kettle and Fire Bone Broth. If you guys want it, we always have a discount code, SCOTT20, for 20% off. Again, I love their bone broth. It's the best tasting. They have soups, chilies this time of year. They're my go-to. Um, I really believe in what these guys do, and they've really mastered the flavor on top of everything else. There's no antibiotics, no hormones. It's grass-fed, grass-finished, no preservatives, but it tastes great. That's I can't say that enough. And then last but not least, our friends at JLab Pro. That's where I get our protein, turmeric, collagen, curl oils. 
jeremyscottfitness.jlebpro.com. The protein is sweetened with stevia. The turmeric is legit. The krill oil I take, if you guys take omegas, the fish oils, and obviously we always have a discount on the protein and the collagen. And I think right now they have a discount on everything on the site probably until the end of the year. Uh, so any questions on that, it's all in the show notes. If you guys want our supplement guide, our smoothie guide, uh, our macro guide, we're doing a trusted partners one shortly and we'll have access to that as well. Man, the ads are a mouthful. Um, anyways, here we are. Uh, we're talking about, you know, where do you want to be? And if you're not where you want to be, how the hell do we get there? Uh, I do have one quick thing I want to read through first. This is a pretty in-depth article and I've tried not to talk a lot about the COVID shit just because I feel everybody talks about it all the time or at least a lot of the uh, the, the podcasts I listen to that aren't just finance-based. If they're anything to do with the news in the world, I feel like the COVID stuff always comes into the news cycle, which is fine. It's good to be educated. But man, after two years, it's like, can we talk about something else? It just, it just beats my head. Um, Like with a bat, just over and over and over. But I digress. I did get this article sent to me from one of our uh, medical professionals that works at the Mayo Clinic. And it's from the New York Times. The title is, Coronavirus attacks fat tissue, scientists find. And the original article was written by Rani, R-O-N-I, Rabin, on December 8th, 2021. So just about four days ago, this came out. Now, it's pretty detailed. I took kind of my Cliff's Notes version of this and wanted to give it to all of you guys. And everyone listening to this, again, I've said this before, I assume you're your fitness people, your health people, meaning you value the way that your body looks, moves, and feels. You give a shit about what you eat, what you drink. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't listen to me. Maybe you would. I don't know. Um, and I don't want to confuse the two. And this is not a knock on anybody, but there are medical people who are not health people, in my opinion, meaning you're a medical professional but you're not really a, a health professional. And I know some people are going to get super pissed and salty when I say that. You know what I'm talking about? Like your doctor who's 200 pounds overweight, he's a medical professional. I don't know. And they might talk about health a ton with you. Uh, preventative measures, proper eating, sleep, rest, recovery. But if you're not a practitioner, if you're not leading from the front, can you really buy into it? It'd be like if I came in here and didn't really crush a workout ever, would you believe me when I tried to push you to crush a workout? If I didn't go through, you know, the sweat, the agony of split squats and pushing sleds and pressing and running and riding an assault bike, but I told you to do it, it's hard to buy in. You get what I'm saying? There's a lot of people in the medical field who just do it for a paycheck. There's a lot of awesome people too who love it and they got into it because they give a shit about humans and they want to be healers and want to help people. And there's others who just, you know, just want to punch a clock. And this one came to me from a health professional, someone who is a medical professional, but also a health professional and really cares about it. And I think most of you understand at this point, 
we've, if you look at the studies and all the statistics, you know, COVID, um, you know, SARS-CoV-2, coronavirus, all the variant stuff, those attack people who are, are not healthy, who are not fit. And I'm going to read through this really quick just so we can drive the point home. If you have people in your life, maybe it's a mom, maybe it's a dad, maybe it's a cousin, uncle, brother, sister, friend, who is obese or overweight, I'm not saying you have to share this with them, you know, to scare them. That's not my intention, but to educate them that all that extra baggage they're carrying around just makes them more susceptible, not just to this, but to everything else. And they probably already know it. And you're not sharing it with them to shame them or make them feel bad. You're sharing it with them because you give a shit about them. And sometimes, you know, when we're close to people, it's hard to tell them the truth because you don't want to hurt their feelings. You don't want them to be uncomfortable. Um, but you have to, especially if it could potentially save their life. And if it could improve the quality of their life while they're here, I think it's our responsibility to do that. And the article goes on to say, you know, from the start of the pandemic, oh, excuse me, of the pandemic, uh, COVID seemed to target people carrying extra pounds. Patients who were overweight and obese were likely to develop severe COVID and more likely to die from it. Now, these patients oftentimes also have other health conditions like diabetes that compound their risks. And scientists have become increasingly convinced that the vulnerability has something to do with obesity itself. Now, researchers have found that coronavirus infects both fat cells and certain immune cells within body fat, prompting a damaging defense response in the body. Research teams also obtained fat tissue from the bodies of European patients who had died with COVID and discovered that coronavirus is in fat near various organs. The idea that adipose tissue might serve as a reservoir for pathogens is not new. Uh, Dr. Dixit said that, and I quote, body fat is known to harbor a number of them, including HIV and influenza, which I did not know this. Uh, coronavirus appears to be able to evade the body's fat immune defenses, which are limited and incapable of fighting it effectively. And people who are obese, they basically obviously have a lot of body fat. And take a person whose ideal weight is, say, 170. Like, that would be their normal, like their, their homeostasis, if you will. Their regular body fat set point or weight set point should be 170 pounds, but they weigh 250 pounds and they're carrying a substantial amount of body fat, which the virus may hang out in and replicate and trigger a destructive immune system response. If you really are very obese, fat is the biggest single organ in your body, Dr. Kress goes on to say. The coronavirus, and I quote, can infect the tissue and actually reside there. Whether it hurts it, kills it, or at best, it's a place to amplify itself, it doesn't matter. It becomes kind of a reservoir. As the inflammatory response snowballs, cytokines trigger more inflammation and release additional cytokines. It's like a perfect storm. And they have this, uh, Dr. Blish comes on in speculated that infected body fat may even contribute to quote-unquote what they call long COVID, 
a condition, you know, describing troublesome symptoms like fatigue that persists for weeks and months, even after the recovery of the acute episode. Now, the data suggests that the COVID vaccine and treatments, you may need to take them into account with the patient's weight and fat stores. I'm going to touch on that in a second. This medical paper they have, they're saying serves as like a wake-up call for medical professionals and public health to look at it more deeply, the issues of overweight and obese individuals and the treatment and the vaccines that they're giving them. And this is from a University of North Carolina Chapel Hill study, which they looked at the heightened risk of COVID poses to people who are obese. And while we're documenting the risk, we're still not really addressing it, they go on to say. And what I got from that was There's not a one-size-fits-all approach to everything. What I take, and this article is super in-depth, I can share it with you guys if you want or throw it in the show notes. Again, it's in the New York Times, and the title is The Coronavirus Attacks Fat Tissues, Scientists Find. And just kind of explains why people who are overweight and obese are at a higher risk for, you know, severe illness and death, obviously from COVID, but a bunch of other things. What I took away from this is one, if you are carrying on a ton of extra body fat, it is not good for you. It is not healthy for you. You're putting your body at risk. Even if you feel confident in your own skin, it would be to your benefit to get in a healthier uh, body fat and weight range so you can fight off any diseases that come your way. Number two, the one size fits all approach to correcting this or curing this or getting past this doesn't work. I'm sorry. Um, I don't care what your stance is on anything. This is not, uh, I'm not, you know, pro this or anti that. I'm not right or left. I'm just a dude who reads information, absorbs it, takes it in, talks with people who are much smarter than me, and then I make an educated decision based on that. And then as I learn new information, I update that, you know, ideology. Uh, I'm not married to my opinions. I'm not married to my thoughts. I'm always willing to learn and listen. And then I obviously step away and, uh, make a call from there. And what I've seen over the last two years is you're trying to put a square peg in a round hole for everyone. And I don't have all the answers, but I know doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result is fucking insanity. You can't treat a 38 year old dude like me, the same as an average 30 year old dude in America, because that dude is obese. That dude is not active. That dude's body is full of bullshit. And he's taking in minimal micronutrients, if any. Not getting great sleep. Drinking, maybe smoking, eating a bunch of processed sugar, always in a calorie surplus. There's so many factors that go into it. Yeah, we're just approaching like, well, this is the only thing we can do. And then that's it. And at the end of the day, of all the things we've suggested, all of the mitigation tactics, all of the mandates and all of the fucking nonsense in my opinion a lot of it has been completely counterproductive and you've created a multitude of situations based on the decisions you've made you didn't jam be healthier down people's throats every day which you should have done and we should continue to still do that that i'll die on this soapbox i really will Even if I have $300 million, I will still do this podcast because I like to do it and I know it helps you guys and your feedback is the oxygen that keeps me breathing and going in it. But we have not made 
being healthy the number one focal point. That should be the thing we are arguing about. If you want to pick a fucking side on something and scream and yell at people, it should be we need to be healthier as a nation, as a world, honestly. But I live in America, so we'll, we'll go America specific. We need to be healthier. That's it. We can talk all the other things too, but that has to be the number one talking point. Before that's addressed, all this other stuff, in my opinion, is putting a band-aid on a gunshot wound. It really is, dude, especially when it comes to this. You need to get people to eat better. You need to get people to exercise, sleep better, drink more water, take athletic greens, take vitamin C, take D, take zinc, take quercetin, get good sleep, don't abuse drugs and alcohol all the time, walk, do the things healthy people do. Because until we do that, all this other stuff, it's, you know, you're, the Titanic is sinking and you're trying to, you're trying to plug the hole with a t-shirt. It's not going to happen, dude. Like you got a real problem. And uh, I think at least articles like this might tend to help. They just need to get more play. They need to get bigger distribution. We need to talk about it more. If you did that every day, like you talked about everything else, I think you could freak people out enough and scare them enough, which the media and the world did for years, to get healthier. That's my hope. So I'll keep talking about it and I'll, uh, like I said, I'll die, uh, I'll die on this soapbox because it matters to me. And, and I understand the power of, of what being healthy can do to you. Um, you know, it's literally saved my life. And uh, it's given me a perspective and an amount of gratitude that I, I would not have without it. And I'm very thankful. And my hope is I could give it back to everybody else. And so I'll keep talking about it. But I just want to share that with you guys. Um, probably stuff you already know, but I just thought it was... Uh, important. So now 30 minutes in, we'll talk about not where you want to be. And if you're not where you want to be, how do we get there? And that's the question, right? If you're not where you want to be professionally and personally, the next question I would ask you is, why not? What's holding you back? And I'm not talking about this, you know, esoteric utopia I'm talking about real life and not perfection, just a spot where things are, are pretty good. Now, originally, uh, Pat Rigsby had sent me an outline of this and he was talking about, you know, just where you want to be, uh, in depth. And there's a couple of really good takeaways here. I'm going to mix in some of my own, uh, from my monkey brain. And I think you guys will get a lot out of it, but if you're not where you want to be, personally and professionally, why not? Most people, it comes down to one of these things. At least on the professional side, but the more I was writing this and looking at it, I think the personal side too. And if you're somebody who's listening to this, and this can be anything. It can be your, your eating habits. That's a big one for a lot of people. Um, some of you, it's your physical activity. Maybe you're not getting enough. A lot of you who listen, you're starting to really master that problem. But the food is always lagging. I'm generalizing here, but for most people, they tend to be active uh, consistently first before they eat consistently well. Sometimes it's reversed, but more often than not. If you're somebody who's struggling 
in debt. Maybe to pay off your credit card bills, get rid of your student loans, pay down your mortgage, or maybe you're looking to buy a house, uh, pay off your car, uh, start you know, really investing, whether it be into your retirement accounts, um, your mutual funds, whatever you're going to do, if you're not there, or your relationship for that matter, uh, maybe it's struggling, and you're always arguing, and you feel like things are falling apart, it might not be going the way you want to, these would be the things that I would look at to try to take you from where you are to where you want to go. Or like I said earlier, start the process of that. The first thing, and this is one, even for me, uh, especially when I was starting out doing this, taking personal responsibility. <clears throat> Excuse me, my Sunday Metcon cough is just not, it's not going away. We had a rough one today. But when my life was not, and again, it's, it's a constantly, like I'm not exactly where I want to be today. I got a lot of stuff to work on, you know, physically, mentally. Uh, emotionally for sure. Uh, well, I mean, I'm like a 12 year old, uh, deep down. So there's always going to be that. I'm always going to say and do inappropriate stuff. Heather will tell you if she was here, but a big reason why my life sucked for a good chunk of time, I just wasn't taking personal responsibility. And a lot of people who are negative and kind of adopt this victim mentality, they do this. They don't take responsibility. They'll blame their location, they'll blame the economy, their, <clears throat> they'll blame their parents, they'll blame their coworkers, they'll blame their boss. It's anyone else's issue but theirs. That's the reason they're not happy, or at least that's what they believe. And while you can't control every circumstance, you can always do something different. Unless you've done it all. But most people don't do it all. People will say these things like, oh, I've, I've tried everything. And they start pointing fingers. And in terms of fat loss, people will say, well, I've done everything humanly possible. I've tried everything. It's a lie. Usually it means you've tried three or four things and typically there are three or four shitty things, and then you quit, and then you said you tried everything, and you never tried again. Or it usually means you just haven't done anything consistently. We see this in fitness all the time. Program jumpers, well, I tried this for four weeks, it didn't work. Well, dude, what what in the world can you get good at in four weeks? Not golf, not learning a second language, not playing piano, sure as hell not fitness. It takes time. And people, you can always do something different and do something better. But when you're always pointing the finger, like at somebody else, there's always three fingers pointing back at you. That's a, a, a phrase I remember hearing as a young man, and I'll never forget it. Like, it's, you can't do that. When you're always, well, it's, it's my wife's fault. It's my husband's fault. It's the coach's fault. It's the teacher's fault. It's the economy's fault. Some of that might be true. But you play a part in that as well. Even the people who have these, you know, toxic marriages and, and crazy relationships and there's always some blame to be had on the other side. It might be disproportionately the other person and you might just have hooked up with, uh, you know, someone who's an asshole. But you play a little bit of part in that too. I've, I've been guilty of it as well. The cool thing is 
when you understand you're the CEO of every situation and every problem and every event you encounter in this life and you control what happens to you, excuse me, you can't always control what happens to you, but you can control how you react to those situations. Shitty stuff's going to come your way. That you can't, you have no say in that, but how you react to it, that you do. And when you can accept that, like shit gets real good real quick. When I took ownership of all my actions, all my flaws, all my failures, and all my successes, shit got real good for me. You know, sometimes you just have to look in the mirror and you have to save your own life because nobody else is going to save it for you. And you, you can't waste another second of this life blaming someone else for your issues and your problem and your situation. They might have contributed to it. They might have, you know, fucked you up. They might have damaged you a little bit. Um, but you're still in control of that. You know, you uh, you might have got knocked out. You might have got knocked down by somebody or someone or the pandemic or you name it. But if you got knocked down on the Tuesday and we came over to your house on a Friday and you're still laying on the ground, now that's on you. You get a certain amount of time, for sure. Um, there's setbacks, there's struggles. You, you got to take a pause or a break to breathe and chill. But you can't keep blaming everyone else for the things that are going on in your life. I used to do it too. I had the victim mentality. Why didn't I grow up rich? Why, you know, is this what my family's like? Why don't I have this? Why did that person get that? Why does he have that opportunity? Why did that not happen for me? And the minute I stopped doing that, my life got much better. When I just owned all the shit that was going on around me and said, you know what? I'm just going to go out there, work my ass off, expect nothing from no one. Things got great. And I took extreme ownership for where I was at. Life gets awesome. Same thing will happen for you. Number two, if you're not where you want to be, it could be because you don't really know what success looks like. Now, however you define success will be different um, from me, and everybody has a measure of it. And I do think this is a huge problem culturally with a lot of us. We look at success as this, and I posted the thing on Instagram not that long ago, you know, where it, it was what you're taught in school, job title and salary. And then that would be what success is. And as a young man, that's what I thought too. I thought success was, you know, to quote uh, the great Will Ferrell from Step Brothers, I want to make bank, bro. I want to drive a Range Rover. Um, as he's talking to Derek to take over the Catalina wine mixer, the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Uh, I joke when I say that, but that's kind of what a lot of people do. You know, I want to make a lot of money so I can drive a car and live in this house. And then that's what success is. And I made it for me. Success is not some random dollar amount. Um, I've shared this before. I've been broke. I was broke for, for most of my, most of my life until probably the last like eight years or so. And, uh, way more money now. Doesn't really change anything. Makes things easier for sure. Uh, when things break or go wrong, I don't, I don't stress about money. I don't have to stay up at night wondering how I'm going to pay bills or, or deal with that. But 
I don't feel like a success because I have way more money. And to me, it's not a dream house. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, unless I build the house, which I have no idea how it even start that, it's just something I purchased. It doesn't mean I'm successful. This is my, again, these are my opinions of myself. If this is what you guys, how you validate what you do, I have no problem with that. I, I think it's super cool. It just, that's not, that's not what success is to me. A fancy car is not that. A magazine cover is not that. A job title is not that. A certain degree is not that. At least for me, it isn't. What you have to figure out is what you want and where you want to go and why. Otherwise, you're likely building a success you don't enjoy. And that's what I'm getting at. Uh, I was not always this enlightened. I promise you guys this. If you listen to shit I said, well, I don't know. It's probably too dumb to even talk to talk back then. So most of these podcasts probably make sense. <clears throat> and thank God I didn't do one in my 20s. Because I would have to go and delete a lot of episodes. Cause, or I would just listen to them and be like, man, I was such a dipshit. And I'll probably say this about myself in 10 years from now. But you have to figure out where you want to go and why and not build a success that you don't enjoy. Because I did that early on. And I had, you know, these giant corporate sponsorships. And I've been on the covers of multiple magazines and I've been on the biggest platforms in fitness in the world. And, you know, I've become a multimillionaire and I paid off my house and I've done all these things and all that stuff. You know, I don't say that to flex. I don't say it to sound fancy. It's just the reality. I've died to do all of that stuff. I've given up all the normal people things in my life to accomplish this. And I share it because all those things made me happy for like an hour or two like when it happened, but then it's old news, you know, nothing was different when any of those things happened. Um, I was still the same person. There's no parade. There's no balloons, no confetti fell from the sky, nothing. I just was the same person. I had just these achievements along the way. And I share that because success for me has nothing to do with those things. They're, they're, they're byproducts of what I do. It's, um, it's like when fitness is the outcome of the activity, not the goal, that's when you really become fit. That's the way I think of business and I think of life. It's the byproduct of putting in the hard work. That's all it is. I look a certain way. And I, I do, obviously, you know, you train specifically to, to look a certain way, move a certain way, feel a certain way. But I really got into this because I wanted to internally be healthy. Now, there's different layers if you go way back. But when I really started to become fit, and if you want to, like, how else this is, when I became like Jeremy Scott Fitness, right? Not the guy who was drinking 20 beers, peeing his pants, fucking headbutt walls. Not that guy. This guy. When I started doing this, when I really became this version of myself, I was doing it to be internally healthy. I needed to, to, to fix the things that were wrong. I needed to eat better. I needed to drink better. I had to change my lifestyle habits. And the byproduct was I started to look a certain way. I started to get stronger. I started to have better endurance. I started to get faster. That's how I think of all the accolades and all the achievements and all the material things you get from your career, your vocation, your job. They're just a bonus to what you do. That's not what success is. At least it isn't for me. It's not you know, having millions of dollars. It's not having a 10,000 square foot house. It's not driving a Ferrari. 
Those are all cool things. I'm not knocking them. But that's not what success is. To me, success is doing what I want to do in the way I want to do it, when I want to do it, with people I want to do it with. That's it. I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want, with who I want. I want to have the ultimate flexibility and freedom in my lifestyle. That's what it is. And feeling that I make a difference. And if I wasn't helping people become healthier and happier through all the mediums, whether it be in person, online, or podcasts, I don't think I'd feel successful. I think I'd feel empty. Because for me, just having money in an account, just having material things isn't going to do it. I share that because I think a lot of people get into this space where they are building a success that's not really their own. They're building a success that they're probably not going to enjoy or at least to the fullest because they're already being pre-programmed hey, this is what success is and this is what you need to do when you get to this station or this chapter, which is a whole different topic and conversation. But I share it because I think we get in these timelines of life. Well, my parents did this when they were this age. My friends got married at this age. You know, my brother had kids at this age. And then you feel like you're behind. There is no behind. There is no schedule. There is no perfect outline. There doesn't have to be. You are defining your life and the lifestyle you want to live, how happy you want to be, and what success means to you. And I share that because I define my goals. Nobody else does. That's the key. You have to know what makes you tick deep down inside. You know, it's not, it's not for your parents. It's not for your friends. It's not, you know, to look fancy on IG or to impress anyone or flex on them. You're just defining your goals and your success because it's what makes you happy and what, it's what makes you tick. If, you know, you're living your life to really make a difference and try to give back from the world. You're not worried about, you know, Instagram followers. You're not worried about all the material things. You're not worried about being fake famous. You're not worried about uh, just getting awards. You're just worried about doing the work that gives you meaning and gives you purpose and makes you happy. And if someone wants to give you an award for it, that's great. But the real reward is you being able to live a lifestyle you enjoy, whether that be spending time with your family and having the experiences that you want to have and getting the feedback from the people you serve for doing the type of work that you want to do. It's a win-win, right? Like that's the ultimate, for me, that's what success is, is finding something that you're passionate about, that you enjoy, that you love, and you can give it back to other people and they can reciprocate the feeling and then you get paid for it. I've said this forever. You want to be rich, um, help enough people. And you'll make enough money. And I know that seems overly simplistic, but if you can solve enough problems and you can help enough people do something that they value, you can make enough money. Is it going to be easy? Uh, no, it's hard as shit to do, but it can be done. If you're willing to exhaust yourself and you really care about it and you enjoy it, 
That's what I say with fitness specifically, and this is not on topic of this podcast, especially the young fitness coaches out there, people who are who are on a journey in fitness and, you know, they maybe sometimes get worn down or jaded by the industry and, and all the shit that comes with it. If you got into this for money, you might as well just quit now because um, you could have picked a lot of other careers that you could have made way more money just for your time. But if you got into this because you want to actually help people and make a difference and you give a shit about them, if you do it long enough um, and you get good enough at it, you can still make the money too. But it's just the byproduct of what you're doing. It's not the it's not the end goal. I've never met anybody who's super great in fitness, who I consider to be like an awesome coach and really cares, who started it just to be filthy rich. And I think that's the way it should be, especially for this industry. It's off topic, but I digress. Number three, if you're not where you want to be, you might not have guardrails. Now, if this is, if you want to, let's go the business route really quick. If you own your business, um, you have to really own it. You know, your business doesn't own you. That's a really tough one, especially for solopreneurs, entrepreneurs when they start out. Because the guardrails are these tools you use to ensure that you own your business and your business doesn't own you. If you're still acting like a startup and doing every single thing 10 years in, you don't have a business, you have a job. And it's probably not a good job. And you don't have to have a huge staff, but if you are 10 years into doing your own business and you're still the CPA, you're still the financial advisor, you're still the office manager, you're still the personal assistant, you're still the janitor, you probably got to step back and understand where you can put the guardrails in. So you're not doing everything all the time. You can't always be the owner the technician and the manager all at once. You can wear all the hats at a certain time, but you can't do everything all the time. If you're talking about your personal life, you can't always be a yes man or a yes woman. And I don't mean like the, you know, your buddy who tells you you walk on fucking water even when you suck. That's not what I'm, I mean. I mean the person who always says yes to everything. The FOMO, the, the people who have the fear of missing out, right? Like, Every opportunity is not for you. You can't be all things to all people. You can't always say yes. And saying no isn't selfish. I honestly think it's selfless. Because you have to put your own physical and mental health first. That's the key. If you learn anything in the last two years of this clown world we're living in, and if you learned anything from the three plus hours BJ and I were talking shit, it's you got to put your own physical and probably more importantly, mental health first. That's the key. You've heard it before on an airplane. I've said it on here 50 times. You got to put your own mask on first. Is if you're struggling and you're suffering and you're panicking and you're going down, how are you ever going to help anybody else? And when we feel like we can never say no, we always have to say yes. We always, you can't always do that. You just can't. Sometimes it's just, nope, can't make it tonight. Oh, I, I got to do that. I got to do this for me. And I'm probably really, I'm great at this, honestly. Uh, I'm not great at many things, but I'm great at saying no. Uh, can you make that, Jeremy? Nope, can't do it. Uh, it's too much. I'm not going to exhaust myself. Now, I will in the right circumstances, but it has to be important and it has to be worth it. 
I love everybody here. They're great. I get invited to a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, but there is no way I can go to every single social event, party, outing, charity run, every podcast, every, you know, hey, can you come on the news today? I can't do all those things. It will wear me down and take away, not just from our stuff here, my own personal stuff in my mind. Now, it, it all bleeds together. But, hey, can you come to this party on this Friday? Well, if i got to be at work the next day at 4 in the morning, I can't do it. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. Prime example, just make these important. The way I look at this, with, and again, some of you love being social. Uh, you draw energy from it. It hypes you up. It does the opposite of me. It drains me of my life energy. And sometimes it, it amps me up and I can't sleep, but I, it's only in certain instances. I can't do that all the time. So the last two weeks here, yeah, the last two weeks, honestly, the last week, I've stayed up till midnight three times in the last uh, seven days, eight days, which that hasn't happened in the last, fuck, probably four years. Now, busy work. We had a friend's 40th birthday party, which I wasn't going to miss. These are close friends of ours. Husband and wife, great people. They had a roaring 20s birthday party, and I'm like, we got to go to it. And I think it started at maybe 7 o'clock, which probably about me usually getting ready for bed. But we went there. I didn't get home in my bed until like 11.30-something. And I am I sound like an old man, I know. But uh, when you get up at you know 3.50 in the morning, dude, you don't really stay up till midnight that often. I did that last Saturday night. Then this week... Obviously, BJ comes into town, uh, him and David Jack and myself go out to dinner. And uh, I remember I had to come back here and pick up my backpack. We left uh, Capitol Grill at like, I don't know, like 11 p.m. And I snapped a photo here outside of the gym and it was like 10 after 11. And then I still had to stop and get gas on the way home and then go to sleep and then come back and be here by five something the next day. So uh, that was rough. And then last night, Heather had a girl's night. Um, so she actually kicked me out of the house and I went and watched the fights, which is super cool. But again, didn't get to sleep till midnight. The point of me sharing my my exciting week, if you will, for a, a dude who's damn near 40 years old who's in fitness was I can do those things, but I can't do that same week every week for 52 weeks. I would get sick. My body would break down. Uh, mentally, I wouldn't be clear. Uh... I wouldn't be sharp. I wouldn't be learning and growing in the way that I need to, to, to fill my own cup so I can pour it into all of you guys. And that's what I'm sharing with you. You can't say yes to everything, especially if you want to be fit, if you want to be healthy and you're trying to do something different than your social circle or your family. Hey, my family always does these huge family style dinners and they always expect you to eat everything. And my friends always go out for happy hour. And uh, especially if you're trying to pay off debt, you can't afford to do that. If you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to, you know, be healthier and fitter, if you're training for a marathon, you're going to have a different schedule. Sometimes you can say yes. Sometimes you can say no. The takeaway is you have to have guardrails. You have to set up a system that allows you to have the balance of social time and friends and family, but also your own escapism, your own healthy habits. And we all draw different lines in the sand there. And you're the only one who can draw them. Because if you don't, nobody else will. And you'll find yourself being exhausted, overextended, and doing too much too often. And 
you can only ride that train for so long until it comes to a crashing halt. I've seen it. Uh, I love my wife. She used to be, she's way better. She is a thousand times better than she used to be. But she always used to be the person who had to, who felt like she had to go to everything and always be at every event and party and outing. And it, um, it wears you down. So you really got to pick your spots. And remember, it's not selfish to do that. You have to put your own physical and mental health first. Remember that. Next one. If you're not where you want to be, personal, professional life, you're probably not playing to your strengths. And this is something I, I really believe in. And the older I get, the more I've realized it. You have some strengths, some talents, some skills, some experiences that are uniquely yours. At most, you know, you got something you're good at. Even those of us like me who suck at a lot of things, we got some things we're good at. Even the worst of us, we have some talents. And most of what you do, professionally especially, should be spent on those things. Your business and your life should revolve around or involve the things that you are good at. I guess what I'm saying is you should be spending 80 to 90% of your time in areas of strength. That's it. You shouldn't be doing a bunch of garbage you're bad at. It'll wear you out. It mentally is draining. Uh, oftentimes physically it can be draining and it puts you in a bad mood and it makes you an asshole. And I'm going to explain here what I mean. If you're first like starting a business, you're, you're, you're beginning the stages of an entrepreneur or you're doing something, yeah, you're going to do, you know, everything all at once. Um, but over time, you start to delegate those things. In your business, it's, it's easy as an example to do. When I first started this, I was everything. I was the janitor. Um, I was the manager. I was the CPA. Um, I was the attorney. I was everything. Um, you can imagine how it went. It's a shit show. But you wear all the hats you can. And then you, you ask the questions along the way. And as it grows, you get better. People understand it in business, but oftentimes we don't, we don't do it in our personal life. What I'm saying is, in this business, when it got efficient, when I got better and I could make money and help more people, I could hire a financial advisor, have an attorney, have a CPA, have a cleaning person, have a CMS system, have a, you know, a Monica, have a Matt, work with Travis, uh, have an Alec here. Like all, you get all these things where it alleviates my day and I can focus my time on the things that, A, I tend to enjoy more. I still do stuff I, I don't like, but most of the day is spent doing things that either A, only I can do or things that even if I don't like to do them, they're my, I'm good at them. And uh, that's what you do in your personal life. Think about it. When you're a young kid and you're dead broke, you do everything. At least when I grew up, you washed your own car. You didn't go to a car wash. You washed that shit in your driveway, which I was never uh, never a huge fan of. But that's like in the Midwest, that's like what we grew up in. Like that's what we do. So uh, as it moved on, we would do different things with the pool, uh, right? Like at my house. Um, so instead of me taking care of the pool, now I have a pool guy. Uh, 
instead of me cutting the lawn, like now we have a lawn guy. Now we still do some of those things, but I don't do all of those things. Like I'm working on it uh, as we go here. So over time, I tend to do less and less and less of the things I suck at and more of the things that I am great at. Um, you guys, I'm going to take a 10 second pause here and uh, open the door here for my mom who's actually coming to work out. So give me 10 seconds. I'll be right back. All right. Sorry about that. That um, doesn't happen often, but uh, I was in the middle of something. Anyways, uh, I digress. So what I'm saying is when you guys can get to a point where you can play to your strengths, life gets real great. Um, so if at any point you get to a stance where you can delegate some of the things like in your personal life and trust them to people who are better at them, you can focus your time on doing the things you're great at. And that's how I've looked at everything. And especially if you're a person who is, uh, you know, maybe married uh, and you're in that circle, one of the best things you can invest in is a, a cleaning person just for the fact of like they scrub toilets better, they clean the showers better, uh, it buys you time and it's going to cut down on a lot of arguments in your house. And honestly, if you're not good at those things and you don't like those things and you can outsource them, I definitely would. That goes for your business and that goes the same thing for your personal life as well. And the last two I'm going to touch on here real quick you're, you're maybe not working with the right people. Um, if it's your business, maybe it's the wrong clients. Maybe it's, if it's personal life, maybe it's the wrong partner. Uh, you know, maybe it's the wrong team, but you can't have the right business with the wrong people. And I don't think you can have a happy life with the wrong people either. You know, honestly, there's, there's a, there's really no chance of it. And, you know, your professional life, your personal life, it's uh, no different. I I can't begin to tell you guys how much of a, a black cloud can be lifted from your life when you stop working with the wrong individuals and you stop being friends with the wrong people. Uh, I think we've all seen it when a, like a cancerous client or employee or friend leaves your circle, the whole mood changes. And that's... Uh, that's the same for partners. It's the same for spouses. It's pretty much the same for anything. You know, you, you got to be around the right people. And I'm not always saying people who agree with you and uh, you can't live in an echo chamber. There's people you can be friends with who have differing uh, opinions for sure, but they can't be toxic. They can't be negative and they can't be energy vampires. And when you eradicate those people and you cut those cancerous humans out of your life, it's, uh, it gets pretty awesome pretty quick, but you can't be successful and you can't be where you want to be with the wrong people around. And a lot of times for folks, that's what's holding them back is they have this inner circle that is, what is the uh, analogy, the crabs in the bucket where the crabs keep trying to, uh, like one crab tries to get out, but the other crabs keep pulling them down. That's kind of how I think about you trying to be successful, happy, and healthy when you got a bunch of crabs. <laughs> dragging you down. Next one on the list. If we are talking finances, and I do a lot of these uh, connected to fitness, you're not keeping enough of what you make. Most, uh, 
this is true for everybody, honestly, but most um, fitness entrepreneurs don't come from a business background. I mean, shit, I didn't. Um, I had no clue. I learned all this stuff, you know, post-college uh, on the fly. I just got real lucky uh, to meet a lot of the right people at the right time and then just was a sponge and just listened and, uh, you know, drilled down and, and, you know, take advice from people who are older than you and smarter than you and have made the mistakes that hopefully you don't have to make. But a lot of, especially young people, uh, they don't have a business background. They don't have this financial IQ. So it makes sense that they don't understand, you know, top line revenue. And you need to know that it's important. And the bottom line, especially if you're talking about your personal finances and business, it matters. And if you are a person out there, like maybe you are running a side hustle, you got your own business, you've got to take care of you. You got to pay you today and put money away for the future. And if you don't, nobody else is going to do it for you. This is the same if you're just an individual listening to this. You have to take care of you financially. You get paid money from your job. You got to pay some of that for your bills and your, your life expenses. And some of that money is for you today. And then some of that money is for you in the future. If you don't do that, no one else will do it for you and you will have nothing the further this goes on. And I, I share a quick stat here um, that Ramsey Solutions did just to give people hope if they feel like, you know, they don't make enough money to ever become financially free or independent. Um, I wonder if I have the stat here real quick. My man, I'm going to pull this up. Uh, Jimmy Williams, who is the CFO of a hospital here. I actually need to get him on the podcast because he is a unique uh, individual. But being the CFO that he is, he shared this the other day. This is actually on cnsnews.com. While collecting its record, I don't even know how many zeros this is. Is this like, is this a trillion? It's 565,135,000,000. In total taxes in the first two months of the fiscal year, the federal government spent 921-526-000000, resulting in a deficit of 356, 390, is that like trillion? Is it billion or trillion? In the first two months of the fiscal year. Basically, they spent way more than they made. That is your government, by the way, which is utterly ridiculous. Most people don't have a income problem. Some people do. Uh, for sure. And obviously the inflation, I think right now they're tracking it at almost 7%, which I believe if you look CPI plus all that, I think it's realistically probably even more, but let's just say it is 7%. If you are not getting a 7% raise at your job, you are getting a pay cut. That is what that equates to. If you are not making at least 7% on your money across the board and investments, you are losing money. And I share that for the fact of it's not just an income issue, it's a spending issue for most people. And I wanted to, to share the stats from Ramsey Solutions just so you guys can see, you know, what kind of salaries do wealthy people make? And it's not as much as you might think. A majority of millionaires in the survey didn't have high level, high salary jobs. In fact, the study that they put out, only 15% of millionaires were in senior level leadership roles, such as vice president and like C-suite stuff, if you're talking like CEO, CFO, COO. 
and 93% of millionaires said that they got their wealth because they worked hard, not because of their big salaries. And I figured, get the stat was most of them, it was like 30 some percent. I'm gonna see how many have made less than 100K per year. It was a really low number, uh, like kind of crazy. I think it was only like 20% made that. Let me pull this up real quick just so I have it. Because a lot of people think like, oh, well, in order for me to be like, you know, financially free um, and independent, I have to make, you know, $400,000 a year, which that's really not the case. Uh, around 33% of millionaires never earned more than $100,000 as a household in a single working year. That's crazy. Salary is a factor, obviously, uh, but it isn't the biggest factor. How much you make isn't nearly as important as how much you do with it. Now, obviously, trust me, making over 100000 helps speed things up. Uh, that I can promise you. However, there's a lot of folks I know making two, three, four hundred k a year that have obviously very little. So if you're not where you want to be financially, it could be an income issue or it could be a spending issue because you're not keeping enough of what you make. My two cents uh, for me, and again, I don't know anybody's situation. If you got like, you know, seven kids and you live in Manhattan, like obviously it's a different scenario than if you, you know, have no kids and you live in, you know, Gary, Indiana. Like it's, they're just, you know, two different scenarios. But either way, what I would tell you is if you can, um, in life, business, personal too, keep your overhead low. Uh, that Because you don't have a huge monthly nut, you know, to, to, to spit out. Uh, you get to keep more of what you make. And uh, if you're a younger person, single, and you don't need to be super fancy yet, and if you never have to be fancy, you're going to win forever. But I would tell you live as cheap as you can, as long as you can, and invest in appreciating assets. Typically, those are not things with motors and wheels on them. And don't be fancy until you can afford to be fancy. Just because you're a 28-year-old doctor with $300,000 of student loans doesn't mean you should go buy you know, a Porsche. You're not a doctor yet. You're just a broke dude who's got a degree. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's okay, like, to just live in your same small apartment and wait up and save to buy for your house or live in your quote-unquote starter home or drive something that's a little bit older until you become more established and, and, and clean up the debt and you get to actually keep more of what you make and you can you know, pay yourself some stuff now and then invest some stuff more for the future, the stuff that you want in five years and obviously the stuff that you want, you know, in 40 years. But that's the key. A lot of people do struggle with the money. And sometimes it is an income issue. I'm not going to say that's not. But for most people, it's just a spending issue. Just like the government overspends, most people tend to overspend as well. And the last one, if you're not where you guys want to be, you might just not be a good leader. And we're all in leadership roles, especially if you do run your own show. Um, it is a leadership position. Uh, for a lot of people. And for some, it's a new experience. And uh, if nothing else, what I've established here is that even if you don't run your own business or you're not in business for yourself, you are the CEO of you. You are the leader of, you know, Roger Incorporated. You are the leader of, you know, Cindy LLC. Insert your name and whatever, whatever you know, entity behind it. 
you are the leader of your own life. And odds are you have a husband or a wife or a partner, a brother, a sister, a family member who might look up to you for certain things. So no, even if you don't have that and it was just you and you were like a robot, you know, on an island by yourself, you set the tone for everything. And if you want to be successful, you're the one who has to put the pieces in play. If you do have a family, if you do have a career, and you want your team and your clients and your family and your circle and yourself to thrive, you got to look in the mirror and you have to set the tone. You have to be a practitioner. You have to lead from the front. And when you see like a business, right, like with massive turnover, either it's in staff or clientele, it all points back to leadership and the lack thereof, right? And the same thing when you see someone with, you know, no real friends and no real close circle and no real relationships, it's not always them. Sometimes it's you. And that's where you start to take extreme ownership for everything. Things get real good. So again, those are just core areas that I would look at if my career or my business or my life or my relationships aren't exactly where I want them to be. I would go, you know, kind of one by one and do an assessment of where you are today and where you need to be in order to have your ideal business or life or side hustle get to where you actually want to go. And I'll be the first to tell you, I've screwed up every one of these areas more times than I can remember, every single one. But the only way to fix it is to first identify them acknowledge them and see where you can make them better. And a lot of people adopt this mentality through life of, well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. The way I think about it is, well, if it could be better, it's as good as broken, and then we can refine it moving forward. So if any of the things we listed, if you find yourself kind of falling short of where you want to be, this would be the place to start. And it's that consistent failing and learning and growing process that is ultimately going to get you there. And you'll always be self-assessing. You'll always be auditing on the journey. But again, the best part is that you are 100% in the driver's seat. So if you aren't where you want to be today, you have the ability to change it over time if you're willing to look yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself and put in the work. That goes if you're 100 pounds overweight. That goes if you are, you know, in debt up your ass. That goes if you're trying to get an advanced degree. If you're trying to climb the corporate ladder. If you're trying to grow, in, you know, or start your own successful business, you have the ability to change it over time if you're willing to learn, take chances, fail, grow, and constantly just keep putting in effort day after day after day, and just wash, rinse, repeat. It's not rocket science. Uh, but it does take you having thoughts about your thoughts, planning out your day, and really doing some introspective work and looking at all the things that are going on and seeing what you can improve over time. So hopefully you guys helped that, uh, enjoyed it. We jumped all across the board uh, like I tend to do when I'm here by myself going a little bit crazy. Uh, a lot of fun stuff here coming towards the end of the year for you guys. And then once January comes, we are hitting this bad boy full force going all in. But uh, if you're not where you want to be today, um, I would kind of look at those things and see if you can't even work on just one of the pieces moving forward. It's, it's helped me a ton, and I think if you guys put it to play, it can do the same for you. If you guys have any requests for the podcast, obviously drop them below. 
Uh, I'm happy to get to them. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, don't be a lazy ass. Just drop it a five-star, leave a couple of comments. And again, like I mentioned earlier, if if you got a friend or family member or somebody around that, you know, maybe you haven't connected with in a while and you just think they're awesome, you know, shoot them a note, send them a message, give them a call. that can have a huge impact. And the more that we do that as individuals, you can kind of spread this, you know, positivity around and it makes the world just a more better, badass place to be. So we appreciate you guys as always. All the podcast sponsors are in the show notes. Uh, worst case scenario, I will pop back on with you guys probably next weekend. But if I can do some before that, I definitely will. So thank you as always. If you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate you guys. And until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.